Very often I, I like when I come to the scriptures of the, the day and you can almost boil it down to a single word. And today that single word for me is waiting. It's all about waiting and how we wait. And waiting is something that's a part of life. We do it all the time. Um, <clears throat> a couple of years ago I found this uh, little thing from this uh, Derek McGee, a, a minister. <clears throat> and this is what Derek said. If you can wait on your hairstylist, you can wait on God. If you can wait at a fast food restaurant, you can wait on God. If you can wait in the emergency room of a hospital, you can wait on God. If you can wait in rush hour traffic, you can wait on God. If you can wait in line to purchase concert tickets for your favorite artist, you can wait on God. If you can wait on a nice cup of coffee to brew, you can wait on God. If you can wait on a parking space to open closer to the entrance, you can wait on God. If you can wait until the end of the week or month to receive your paycheck, you can wait on God. If you can wait on the Lord, then speaking the words of Psalm 40 should flow sweetly from your lips. I have waited, waited for the Lord. Here am I, Lord, I come to do your will. Well, I think waiting, and we do it all the time, and it's worse than ever. I, I, the older I get, I, the less patient I am with waiting in every single place you go. You have to wait to die. I mean, everything, everything is waiting. And I noticed during the pandemic, it was terrible a few years ago that someone would die, and the family had to wait for like a month before they could enter the body. And, and waiting is just so much a part of our lives. Um, I find myself driving. I really hate waiting. I hate San Fernando Boulevard. I hate it, especially by the police station. Not because of the police, but because the traffic is so bad. It takes forever. I drive all the way through Atwater to go around it because I, I just find myself so impatient. And um, I've become a pro at avoiding all the signals. And all my friends get upset with me and say, what, you save three seconds? I said, yes, I did, and I'm happy about it. I, I just, ugh. But, you know, that's nothing in comparison with the deeper waiting deep within our spirit. Because, quite frankly, I don't think the church ever really taught us that. I got it in the seminary. In fact, I, I went for 12 years in seminary. And like anybody, anybody pro, who's professional here, teachers, lawyers, doctors, nurses, uh, art, any, anybody who's, who went through a lot of education to get to something, you learn how to wait. But you waited with a, a specific goal. But for me, it was a rather difficult wait in this sense, that um, I entered with 160 people, 176 people in, in my first year of high school. I think only 74 of us graduated the senior year. Everybody else left. And some were good friends, as good a friend as you could have as a teenager. These were good friends, and I'm thinking, I'm going to spend my life as a brother priest with this person, and then they leave the seminary. And so waiting for my goal kept getting stripped away of people that were important in my life or had become important, and so it became difficult. But the goal itself was okay to wait for, and I had a few moments. I remember my sixth year and second year of college. I was in chapel one day, and I just had the most overwhelming sense I don't think I can be a priest. And my biggest fear was preaching because I, I couldn't imagine 
getting up in front of a crowd of people and talking. I couldn't imagine preaching at funerals because I'm a big crybaby. And I thought, I'll cry at all the funerals. And how do you preach when you're sobbing up there, you know? And I really, I was ready to leave. But something happened in the chapel that day. I didn't hear a voice like the Scripture claimed Samuel did, but I heard a voice here. And something overwhelming told me, you can do it. You can do it. So I went on in six more years and became a priest. But waiting is a real challenge. And we hear it beautifully expressed in the Scriptures today. Samuel, he was dedicated into the temple by his mother when Hannah was crying out to God, give me a son. She was barren for years, and her, her, uh, the other wife of her husband, because he had two wives, uh, ridiculed her because she had several kids and said, you're barren, you're cursed by God. And she, so she went to the temple weeping and crying out to God. And Eli was there, thought, she, thought the woman was drunk because she was mumbling, not audibly, but her lips were moving, and he said, Woman, you're drunk. Go home and stop drinking. And she said, I'm not drunk. I'm crying out to God because I'm barren and I want so much to have a child. And, and so he says, the Lord will hear you. Go home. So she does. She promised God, if you give me a son, I'll dedicate him to you. So she gets a son. She takes the son to the temple and leaves him there, dedicates him to God and says, now you're here for God's service. And she leaves her only son. I don't get that. I don't know how a woman could do that, but that's what the story says. Now, we flash forward, and Samuel is a young man, and he's in the temple sleeping, and he wakes up because he hears a voice calling him. So he goes to Eli, the old priest that's blind in the temple, and says, uh, here I am. What did you want? Why are you calling me? He says, I didn't call you. Go back to sleep. It happens three times. Finally, the third time, Eli gets it. That's God calling him. So he says, if, if you hear the voice again, say to that voice, here I am, Lord, I come to do your will. It was the words to that effect. So he hears the voice a fourth time. And he says, the words are, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And that's how he came to understand and hear. But he had to wait through three, four times before it became clear. And he needed the help of Eli to guide him to hear that voice. Isn't it the same for us? I think it is, especially when we're going through turmoil. Think about someone who's going through a divorce, somebody who's dealing with the death of a family member, somebody who's living with total friction with their kids or siblings, and they just can't seem to get along, or their parents, somebody who has financial difficulties or who's just lost their job. The list goes on and on. And as we go through that, we can go through it and just be miserable, or we can wait with the Lord. And we can invite God in, speak, Lord, your servant's listening, speak. I need your voice now. And if we hear it, if we can begin to hear it and we work through it, things change. Things change. Today in the second reading, uh, the Christian community is reflecting on the fact that that their bodies, their lives have been consecrated to God. And, and the reading says, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Don't live in morality, especially in your own body. You know, I went for years, and of course it's, it's a rampant problem now, but when I was a young priest, there were 
drug problems in those days. And um, the argument I often heard about in the church was, if you take drugs and you hurt your body, or take too much alcohol into your body, or any substance into your body, you're destroying your body. And that's a temple of the Holy Spirit. That's where I first heard it. But here are the roots of that understanding. Your bodies are sacred. Your bodies are holy. And if we really hear that, then, then anything that could hurt our bodies, we, we say, Lord, speak to me. What, have, what do I need to do to live and respect this body, this gift of the temple of God in which you dwell in me? It's interesting in that first reading, after the fourth time uh, that, that God called Eli, I mean called the Samuel, and, and I'm, sure, I'm pretty sure it wasn't an audible thing, but that's how it's kind of presented. Um, it says that God came and made his presence revealed to Samuel. He revealed his presence in that call. And that's what I think these scriptures are trying to teach us today. That I think God is calling us every day, not to a vocational choice. So those don't happen every day, I suppose, but, but all kinds of things, calling us to holiness, calling us to forgiveness, calling us to peace, calling us to love, calling us to acceptance even of ourselves. And if we're not waiting for the Lord and crying out to him, speak, Lord, your servant is listening, then will we ever hear the voice? Now in the gospel, Jesus' response is interesting today too because it's so direct. Um, John the Baptist is standing there with two of his disciples, and he sees Jesus walk by. He says, Behold the Lamb of God. And for whatever reason, because they weren't instructed to do so, they just get up and walk away. The two disciples walk away from John and follow Jesus. And Jesus becomes aware of them following. He looks behind himself and he says, uh, you know, What are you doing? <laughs> what do you want? And they said, Lord, where do you stay? It's a kind of an odd response, but I, but I think it also speaks to us that we often place value in a person and in their worth and what they say by where they come from, where they live. And so he doesn't say, well, this is where I stay or this is where I live. He says, come and see. It's pretty direct. Come and follow me. You want to know? Come and see. And Jesus did this often. I think almost every time almost every time in the scriptures where he healed somebody, he asked them first, what do you want? And so uh, one of my favorites is he comes upon a blind person. And you can tell when a person is blind. You know, sometimes they have the sticks and sometimes they, their, their eyes, the, the way they are in, in their head, they, you, can be, you can look at a person and understand that they're blind. So I suspect Jesus, who was a very aware person, knew the person was blind and obviously knew they, they wanted to be able to see. But he always said a couple things. One is he said, don't be afraid. He'd often say, have faith. But then he'd say this, what do you want from me? Say to a blind person, what do you want from me? Or a paralyzed person. He said, I want to see. I want to walk. And why would Jesus ask a question? I think because around this question of waiting, we got to open our spirits and ask. Open our spirit and wait. 
If we just go through life just reacting, just having our feelings, being angry or upset or, you know, not satisfied, but if we wait for the Lord, if we ask for what we want and need, and maybe we end up not getting the exact thing that we wanted or needed, but we discover along the way, along the waiting, and along the asking, things become clearer. Happened to me in the seminary. I was ready to leave, but something happened. I guess just because I was crying out to God, speak, Lord, because I don't know how I'm, going to have to, how I'm going to do this. So the scriptures today, they highlight. It's almost an art, the art of waiting, like the art of listening, like the art of seeing. And if we learn how to wait, to open up, and to say those words, speak, Lord, your servant is listening, speak, Lord, uh, just perhaps we will really discover the will of God in our lives.